Alright, so today's scripture reading comes from John chapter 2, and it's verses 13 through 22. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered, Destroy this temple in three days, and I will raise it up. The Jews then said, This temple has been under construction for forty-six years, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. The word of God. So one of the first things that I thought of when I read this chapter, this verse, was about how busy and clutter-filled my life is. So lately I've found myself scrambling to find my heads when I wake up in the morning. I can almost guarantee you that this is the same way that most 18-year-old seniors in high school feel. It is often hard to keep track of all the things that I must accomplish before daylight runs out. And I, th- I think I lay in my bed every night and tell myself I need to be more organized for the next day, but always fail to follow through on those plans. This is the unfortunate reality that I am growing up. Many of you would tell me that this is only the beginning of the long days and long nights. My friends in college often tell me that I need to prepare myself for the future because the, the days become longer and sleep becomes less prevalent. I think my mom tells me every morning that I need to slow down and enjoy life for a little while, but I don't seem to listen to that advice. Before yesterday, if you looked at my truck, you would find a set of golf clubs, multiple sets of clothes, a different pairs of shoes, a book bag, and a clipboard and box full of everything you would want to know about Jay Jordan's Statehouse campaign. I'll be the first to tell you that my truck needs to be cleaned out, and actually I got around to it yesterday. I said, but my life needs to be more organized. And I can't even find time to do that. So when we go back to the scripture for a second, this is an entirely different way of seeing Jesus. He storms into the temple, turning over tables and yelling at the merchants. The merchants least expected this because this is how they had been making money for years and years. To give you a little biblical history, the merchants would set up shop in the outer room of the temple because only the Jewish men could go in the back to pray. Everyone else, including Gentiles and the Jewish women, would make their offerings and sacrifices for the upcoming Passover, only to have them stolen and sold off for the merchants to make money. I don't know how well I would take it if somebody came up to my business and began yelling at me and tearing up my place. The merchants and the money exchangers probably didn't even realize they were doing anything wrong because they had been doing the same thing for generations. In reality, it is obvious to us that people shouldn't be making money and selling things in the house of the Lord. These men had conformed to an awful technique of taking advantage of these people's sacrifices. And when Nate first told us that we would be preaching on this story, I was immediately reminded of a lesson about conforming 
Nate himself had done and used just a few Sundays ago. Nate read us a poem, and I'm going to read it for you again this morning. And it is, This is the Road Not Taken by Robert Frost. Many of you probably know this poem, but I'm going to read it again. Two roads diverge in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both. And be one traveler long I stood, and looked down one as far as I could, to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as fair, and having perhaps a better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for me, the passing there had worn them really about the same. And both the morning equally lay, and leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way leads to on way back, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling with this sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. This poem is easily related to our lives because we conform to today's world. We don't walk our own path but seem to fall into a system that we see nothing wrong with. Busyness and clutter take over our lives and we don't find ourselves making an effort to break that mold. We are left in awe when we get sick or we find ourselves exhausted because we don't take time to take care of our well-being. This kind of reminds me of the September 11th attack on our country. As a country, we thought our security was guaranteed, but on that tragic morning, we find our faces glued to TVs in shock when we should have noticed the signs of those imminent attacks for years. Lent, like this, like Jesus in the temple, finds a way to sneak up on us and yell in our face. It is an eye-opening experience because it gives each of us 40 days to reflect on the sins for the previous 365. My question for myself and for you is why do we let this happen? Why do we wait till Lent to make changes in our lives? Why did the merchants wait until Jesus came into the temple to stop taking advantage of people worshiping God? Confirmations of the unfortunate answer. We don't slow down to realize that we need to change. I gave up soda for Lent, and while it has been a daunting task, it is a change that was necessary to my health. I shouldn't have waited until Ash Wednesday to make this change in my life. But we are very blessed to have a forgiving God that allows us time to prepare our hearts for Easter. We can't find ourselves to be reliant on Lent to make our relationship, our relationship with God better but we must use Lent as a springboard into the next year. I learned from this scripture not to fall into the grueling and ugly system, not to conform to the norms of the world, but as Robert Frost said, make our own path. We have to make our own path with God. Take full advantage of the remaining days of Lent and let this time be a changing point in your life where you don't find Jesus yelling at your face, but you go searching for him. So, John chapter 2, this was a very interesting story for me when I was growing up. First time I ever heard this story, it kind of shocked me. Uh, When I was younger, going to Sunday school, vacation Bible school, nobody ever told me that Jesus was allowed to get mad. So, when I was about 10 or 11, I heard the story for the very first time, and this image that I had of Jesus being this perfectly calm and collected and cool type of guy um, who just got thrown out of the window. And it kind of took me back, and all I really learned was, you know, Jesus got so mad about something, the most holy person in the world, you know, turned over tables and 
whipped cattle and sheep and even people out of a temple because of this, so just don't do that. Um, So when Nate texted me to write a small sermon and get up in front of you guys and told me about, you know, what scripture I was supposed to be reading from, I knew that it was a very important task, and I knew that it was going to require a lot of focus and a lot of determination. So I treated it just like any of my other schoolwork by putting it off into the last minute. (laughs) Um, Nevertheless, this procrastination, I feel like, allowed it to make a bigger impact on me as a person. Um, As a high school senior, I never got what a lot of people call senioritis. And if you don't know what senioritis is, it's this yearning impatience that a lot of people between the age of 17 and 18 have just go ahead and graduate. Get out of their hometown, get out of their house, not have to worry about what they have had in high school. I never had that. And to be honest, at the beginning of this school year, I was dreading it more than any other year of high school. Not because it was a new year that I had to start, but because I knew it was going to have to end. And I didn't really want to have to step into a new type of life. I didn't want to have to become a new person. And I was very much afraid of that because I had grown accustomed to what I had already. I knew that I had prepared for the most part for college the way most people do. I took all the right tests, I took the classes, I made the grades, I wrote the essays. I prepared myself academically but I realized I had not prepared myself spiritually. I wasn't praying like I needed to. I wasn't reading scripture like I needed to, and I wasn't living like I needed to. So Jesus comes into this temple and tells these people, what you're doing is wrong, you need to stop. And they have been doing this for years. And I know that there were definitely people that were these money changers and these merchants, and they thought that what they were doing probably wasn't the best thing for the church or for their relationship with God, but I do think that there were some people there that had no idea that what they were doing was absolutely wrong. And that's kind of where I stood in my life, thinking that the way that I was living and the things that I was taking advantage of, the things that were being handed to me, were right. And for Jesus to come into my temple, my body, and say, you need to tear this down, I look at him and say, I've spent 18 years trying to be this person, trying to live this life, trying to be what I wanted. Just like the Jews say, you know, we spent 46 years trying to build up this temple. How are you going to build it back in three days? And for me, that is exactly what grace is. It even says at the end of the scripture, but he was talking about his body as the temple. Yeah, he was coming back after three days. It's not your temple, it's his temple. So waiting until the last minute and waiting until my senior year of high school to revisit this passage has definitely made a much more profound impact than it did before. I know that no matter what I've done, no matter how much time I've spent trying to become the person I am today, Jesus can build it back no matter how far I have to tear it down. So going to college, going into a new area of my life, Although it's a scary task, and although I'm going to have to change a lot about myself and a lot about what I do, I know that I have Jesus to build me back. Thank you.